it, baby! But here, I've met a lot of people and I've played some too. And there's one thing I know, people like to talk. <laughs> it's the Spudcast. That's where you at. Hey, where you at, baby? How y'all making? Alright, uh, welcome to the uh, Spudcast here on uh, your nearest podcast uh, laying up place. Uh, we're going to talk to Casey Levy of Mahoney's Po' Boys here in just a minute as uh, we talk about the future of New Orleans restaurants and New Orleans cuisine here after the pandemic. But first, let's, uh, oh man, let's talk a couple of happy things like Chaps Chicken, fried to order. I love me some Chaps Chicken, man. It's like your mama used to make, your great-grandma used to make way back in the 20s. It's like cold water dipped seasoned flour, like them old, old days. And their recipes from the 1970s. So Chaps has the most time-tested flavor for fried chicken that you can find anyplace. Plus, they ain't fast. It ain't fast food, but it's good food. Your chicken's fried to order fresh and hot and waiting for you to pick up or dine in. So uh, make sure you call ahead of time, and they'll throw that in the fire waiting for you. Chaps Chicken 206 West Harrison in Lakeview. 3343 Metri Road in Old Metairie. Go to lovechapschicken.com or find them at hashtag getchapped. Yeah, you're right. All right, man, my boy Casey uh, Levy here from Mahoney's Po' Boys. Hey, Spud, how you doing, brother? Uh, you know, I'm just trying to stay in front of the parade instead of behind the horses. <laughs> I definitely feel that process, huh? Yeah, I ain't, I ain't. You know, I had no idea. Where I'm now, that's not true. I have a good idea where I'm at. I know where I've been. I know the mistakes I've made, and uh, I know what I'm trying to do to uh, to dance around those bad boys. And that's uh, oh, that's one of the reasons. I definitely have uh, tap shoes I never thought I owned before. Oh, really? Huh? The only difference, <laughs> the only thing you got to think about is like you know, Bill Bojangles Robinson, one of the finest tap dancers ever lived, had wooden taps on his shoes. So you just got to decide whether or not you want wooden uh, taps. Adapt or... and overcome, huh? Yeah, that's right, man. You know, do you wouldn't do it on the cobblestones? Or you see, like me, I'm like that guy in that movie Fame. I just, uh, I took a bunch of bottle caps and, and taped them, glued them to my tennis shoes, and <laughs> out there making a complete ass of myself. So Easy. You're going to show some of those uh, street performers on Bourbon Street. Dude, let me tell you, some of them kids are really good. I've given. Oh, my God. Can they tap? Yeah. I give them money when I see them. I know, of course, then exactly. you, go, you go talk to them, and then there's some guy right behind him going, I bet I know where you got them shoes. I'm going, don't even come uh-huh. on. <laughs> on. Anyway, well, uh, so I don't know. The thing I guess I want to talk to you about is uh, is the restaurants. I'm looking at Ian McNulty uh, with the NOLA.com, okay? He's their food guy. Right. And he had an article at the end of July, 50% closure rate feared for New Orleans restaurants as crisis lengthens, quote, we're teetering. And um, I, you know, I, I knew it was kind of happening, but I had so many other things on my plate and I was trying to do. And it's like, that's, that's secondary. It's always there in the back of my mind, but it's secondary. But boy, when K. Paul's closed, that you was felt like, it. Yeah, that is like, that's because Frank Brightson's a really good friend of me and Moe's, and we love his restaurant. I, I'm, frankly, yep. I've only been to K. Paul's twice in my life, and just because I, I don't really like to wait in line to get a restaurant. You know, it's always exactly. Yeah, there's always a good one a little up the street. But but Frank's we've been to, and I know K. Paul, 
Paul Prudhomme loaned him the money to open his restaurant. They got that passing of the skillet thing going on, and it's now, golly, man, it wasn't bad enough that he passed. Yeah, I, I think I think everybody, you, you felt that it became more than just a a nod in the direction. I think at the time when, when you know, especially when K. Paul shut down, you know, people were thinking, you know, this is something that it's, it's a wave that's easily, you know, quote unquote, easily rideable. And then you see, you know, iconic pieces like that, that, you know, something that, you know, those of us, you know, especially in the industry have grown up in the culture and the food of New Orleans, whether, you know, working in it, cooking in it, serving it in any way, you know, you felt that kind of undercurrent, uh, almost threat of fear for a moment, like, wow, if something's so iconic that literally, you know, no matter who you talk to around the world, they know that name, Yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, when it comes to Cajun or, you know, associated with a Cajun Creole presence of New Orleans food. Uh, and, you know, you lose something like that in the city and all of a sudden you're like, well, okay, well, that's one of the dominoes or a pillar. What other grand doms or, or, or other pillars are going to fall by the wayside? And, you know, then, then the, the secondary fear I think you have is what comes in replaces it? Well, that was, that's, you know, what, yeah. that's what I want to talk to you about. Let's go back to the first one though. Okay, uh, K. Paul's closed. Mm-hmm. I, um, uh, I, I, Katie Kasparian over there running uh, Antoine's. It's kind of hard to get her on the phone to ask her kind of questions, you know. But they have to shut down. Right. Arno's. Yep. I don't know exactly what boat they're in. Galatoire's same thing. Tenny Flynn's uh, place. Uh, G.W. Finn's. But I'm seeing yep. all these places that are all in the quarter, and some of them. I mean, it's the really high end ones who, quite frankly, um. You're just, you're not only paying for the food, which is world-class. I mean, you're not going to, you might find in a couple of places as good, but you're not going to find better food than what's going to be in the quarter at these these extremely nice restaurants. Correct. But you're also, you're paying for the ambiance. You're paying for the treatment. You're not paying for some, you know, in some hash slop place where they just come and fling a blue plate at you. I mean, these guys with the, with the, uh, you know, they're, they're making the, 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 the Fosters, the Bananas Fosters right there next to you with the flames yep. and the whole shebang, the weight staff, the whole, the way you're treated. I mean, you can save up all year. You can be a bum, but save your money all year and go, which is what I had to do, and go in there, <laughs> put on a nice suit and go in there. And for a couple of hours, man, you were the king of the world, you know? Yeah, you, you definitely have that ability and you're watching the, it's almost that that's, paradigm shift in the dining aspect to where you know especially grand dom restaurants when you bring those up you know you know the antoine's the gw the arno's uh brennan's broussard's you know you know some of them are plugging away daily still some are doing weekend only some are doing reservation on weekend only uh you, you know some are doing you know uh, gw fins is a great example i think they they did an outreach with a local grocery store doing their uh especially ice cream that they're selling through it. I mean, yeah. everybody's finding those other avenues to help with the revenue streams. Uh, and then you have some that, you know, that are still doing the mainstay of trying to, to plug at it. You know, we're, we're one of the, the restaurants, you know, I, I say group, we, we only have two locations, but you know, our French quarter location being shut down, but our magazine street one being open, you know, allowing us to have a heavy to go revenue, heavy, you know, now a little bit better dine-in presence revenue, but it still doesn't offset what the French Quarter one is. And, 
you know, everybody asks those questions of, you know, you know, us or Deanies and some of these other locations, when are y'all going to reopen? When are you going to reopen? And you forget that if all of us tried to reopen at one time, you kind of, now you do, who, who, who picks to go eat where? Because unless your hotels are generating the tourism or the corporate business that comes in mm-hmm. religiously, now you don't have that. There is no viable thread. And, you know, not many people are going to come from Metairie, Kenner, Slidell, daily to go to the French Quarter to eat versus that, like you said, you're saving up the money. It's that one time. And how many people really have expendable cash right now to go, hey, let's go take another trip to New Orleans and French Quarter. Let's go eat again in the French Quarter. Yeah. So, you, you, you know, you're getting hit with it from both sides to where, you know, we know from, from a financial standpoint, it makes more sense to keep ourselves closed in the French Quarter for the moment uh, and, and, and keep pushing the, what we're doing with our magazine location. Well, and then you have some restaurants that are open in the quarter that are that are doing pretty good because not everybody's open. Yeah, and there, I mean, it's okay. You, okay, you had to shut down Mahoney's Po' Boys in a quarter, but you're still open on a magazine. Correct. Street. But you, you guys had a pretty decent chunk of your business in go orders anyway, so you were basically set up that way. I mean, Commanders makes a nice little Correct. swan out of uh, aluminum foil, but they're not really a to-go person. They had to shut down no. and reopen. Frank Brightson's the same way. You know, you call his place at a certain time, and they got about an hour and a half, maybe two hours in the evening where you come pick up your food, and that's it. That's all they do. That's it. So, yep. and, you're, and they're also, everybody's looking at, okay, when's it going to open? Um, yeah, there are people out in my, okay, I'm in Mattering. And I got friends in Kenner. I got friends uh, in St. Charles Parish and on the North Shore. And they would come to New Orleans because of Jazz Fest or because of uh, because of the French Quarter Fest or Satchmo or something like that. Mardi Gras, of course. And, I mean, they make a day of it. They would go to their favorite restaurant. I mean, that was our deal, Mardi Gras Day. We dress up Mardi Gras and get to the quarter early in the morning and walk around yep. and check out stuff and see marching, uh, walking crews. We'd go, we'd go eat a nice brunch at a really nice restaurant at either at a hotel or a nice restaurant. And, uh, and then we go just wander around by one, two o'clock. We were gone. Let the cuckoos come in and have their Mardi Gras now, but you can't, if there's no Mardi Gras, there's no reason to go. And there's a lot of really nice restaurants out here in Metairie that can give me practically the same kind of fanfan treatment that i would get at one of the big three or the big you know four how many you want to say you know it's four like yeah like bruce arts and all the rest of them that yeah i can get i can get treated like a king uh you know in the jokers part of the castle which which is very you know like you said i mean i i live in metairie myself and you know there, there are those restaurants that are out there um yeah, quite a few of them actually that you know you can walk into and, and you're going to be treated just as well and well respected as you would in mm-hmm. some of these fresh water, you know, Grand Dom and, and some of the, the oldest of the oldest restaurants. But you, the, the difference though, and you know, you being you know long term in, in the city as well, it you you feel it's a palpable feel between dining in Metairie and dining at that old haunt in the French Quarter, um, to where you know you 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 it's subtle, you know, it's that underlying current of where you're dining. What is the place, you know, that you're sitting into? How old are those walls? And, you know, history speaks in the French Quarter. You know, there's a, you know, saying it's a melting pot of, you know, you know, culinary cuisine is one thing. I've always laughed it off like saying po' boys are the the shotgun house of the culinary world. 
you know, because that's what we do. We're a po' boy place. But, but it ain't a home. You look at that. Everybody has their niche, and everybody has that history that allows you to speak to the food. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's hard in some of the Metairie locations. As much as I, I, I dine out all the time in Metairie, but I know I walk out of a, a restaurant that I've been going to since I was seven years old in the French Quarter, versus something that I've only been going to for ten years in say Metairie or Kenner. You are you're missing a piece of your culture now. Now it's your, it's a personal piece to you. Well, and I think that's what people are fearful of that will being lost right now. But the thing of it is, I mean, because of the way it's being, I don't want to sit here. I don't want to get into the politics of this really and truly. But there, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation, uh, man. <laughs> I, 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 believe me, I would. <laughs> but. Um, if uh, okay, so right now the whole state is moved into phase three, but New Orleans is still phase two because that's what the mayor said. Correct. He said phase two. Well, what about football? Well, one point one point five or two, if, yeah. if you want to say two. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. We're it, and that's it. And I said so, and that's it. Yep. Well, but she's chasing businesses to to Jefferson. It's like Cynthia Lee Shang said the other day when he when uh well Travers Mackle was asking about the football. Are you gonna play play football? Phase two. And Cynthia went, right. y'all come, we got plenty of football fields. Y'all come play up in here. You know? So, I mean, I see uh, the, the. it's always been a, a big wagon wheel. You got New Orleans as the hub and all the other parishes around there are wheels, spokes in the wheel. And it's like a symbiotic relationship. But if given the opportunity, all the wagon wheels, all the, all the spokes are going to start stealing from the hub. They already have. And uh, Correct. and uh, I'm just wondering how well this those old places are going to recover if somebody moves in there and all of a sudden they got fusion food, you know, instead of the old time well, and that's, cuisine. Right. And that, that's where you're going to see the the gaps that are going to be the displacement gaps, I guess, if you would, of, of the restaurants that are not there. So use K Paul's as a, as a good example. I mean. Anywhere in the world, you Google a map piece and you look at that specific spot on charters, you know, you know where Cape Hall's is. It's right there. And then, mm-hmm. you know, two doors down, you have one of the other older restaurants in the in the city of Pyramus Sparrows. Or you go further the other way, you have, you know, you know two other different restaurants. You're right there in that hub. But Cape Hall's was always that centerpiece of it. Yeah. Now it's without Cape Hall's not to you know take us back what 15 20 years or are we going to bring a, a, a hooters back in there are we going to bring a, a shoney's back into that play like it was on decatur so it's what jumps into that spot that displaces the history yeah. now of it versus yeah. the fact that you know someone who's who's got the you know the the, the cojones to walk in there and go hey you know i want to take this and and, and keep it k paul's how do I do this? How do I maintain the culture and the history? Which there's there's restaurant groups that do that. There's restaurant tours that do that. You know, I think there's right. a few people that that's their hope right now that someone's going to come in and be like, I want to do this one because of my appreciation of of chef and and what he did for us as the city. And two, I know I can I can try and make a run at this maybe and keep this as a, a cultural piece of the city. But that means um, that would mean somebody like I and I'm not going to sit here and point a finger at the, the, your companies. I mean, the companies you work for, you're with Mahoney's, but JMH has got a bunch of different things that they do. Correct. If 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 we as a as a, and I'm, I've said this a hundred times on the air, I'm not from New Orleans. I'm from Gonzales. But I'm only like 45 minutes up the road. Believe me, every, people up there say nah, too. Like they go, how you doing? Nah, how that is. You know, we talk like that, too. 
We just got rid of next too. But if right. people themselves are so concerned about it, maybe somebody who was interested in opening that place up and maintaining the 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 cultural uh, significance of K. Paul, let them put up a reservation line, and you call in and make a reservation. Going, if you open this place up, I'm gonna do. It's like that baseball field with Kevin Costner. If you build it, they will come. If I have five thousand reservations already on the books to come into this place once it's opened, then I can see worthwhile spending the money to do it. Do you think that would help some and that would right. put more of this in the hands of the people who are bitching and complaining that our culture is washing away? Well, I think it's, you, you, you got to be careful with that, though, because now you're talking about it from what is income versus expendable income. And, and yeah. you got to look at what what we thrive on in the French Quarter. You hate to say is whether it's, it's corporate or tourism. Essentially, tourism is expendable income. It's how much money do you have to go spend to go on a vacation? And New Orleans being one of those larger destination spots of that, how do people then come into the city and, and when they don't have that excess cash or the excess money right now? Yeah, so, very true. Well, I'm, you know, talking, I'm, I'm talking about the locals. I'm talking about the locals because we're the ones who are bitching that our culture is getting changed or taken away. All these people who've come in, you know, they came here after uh, – came in after Katrina to help in the rebuild and they stayed. But the thing of right. it, they didn't, they didn't absorb our culture. They just, they're sticking their own in there and our stuff is correct. Changed. So, and that's, that's well, our the, 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 the downside, and you're right. It, it is partly our fault. And some of the blame also has to come to is, you know, after Katrina, you know, coming back full force into the city, there were opportunities and gaps that got filled by, you know, some groups that came in and, and actually, kind of kept it into that Cajun Creole approach. But then you have some of, like you said, you know, some of the fusion approaches and things like that that might have detracted from what we were. But then at the same time, you know, seven days a week in the French Quarter, out of how many days of the week are the locals going to the French Quarter to eat? You know, how many days mm -hmm. is somebody who lives? Because I look at a local, to me in the French Quarter, I live in Metairie. I'm considered a local. I mean, anybody yeah. in Metairie, Gonzales, you know, yeah. uh, hell, you go out to Homa, I'm, you know, Slidell, you're a local to New Orleans. But how many times are you really going to go down there and go, okay, I want to make a trip to, you know, and we can use Mahoney's as a good example. How many times am I going to drive to the French Quarter to go eat at Mahoney's when I can go to the one right here on Magazine Street? And, and, and it's a little bit, you know, easier yeah. to get to. I don't have to pay for parking, uh, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, but so the thing you, of it is you, you remove 85 to 90 percent of tourism and corporate business. Yeah, where are the locals going to go? Well, that's very true. But yeah. just speaking for myself and my family, and I'm almost out of time talking with you, but we're going to, I got yep. a, a couple of more questions. Uh, when we go to the quarter, it's because we have a reason to go to the quarter. We don't just go, man, I, I want to go to Arno. Exactly. I go to Kingfish <laughs> you know, I want to go, I want to go to the rib room and get a steak that I can cut with a fork. I always, it, it's, it's like an event, it's like a destination. I have to go either to the quarter or very close to the quarter and we go, okay, well, let's, let's make a night of it and figure out what we're going to do. And then, yeah. And then, okay, we're going to eat. And then we're going to wander down and look at the, uh, look at the go window shopping on Royal street and this and that. And then maybe we'll go have a PIMS cup and then we got to get back in the car and go home because I got to go to work. Yep. That's local. So if you do that seven days a week, now you're supporting the locals in the French quarter. <laughs> yes. But if I had in the French quarter seven days a week, I'd have had a heart attack two years ago. Now. <laughs> All right, Casey Levy is my guest, and he's with Mahoney's Po' Boys with JMH Hospitality. I got just a couple of minutes left. 
uh, in in sure. our discussion here. After Katrina, uh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me talk about you for a second. How did you get into sure. the line of work, man? I mean, I, I know I'm fat, and I wish I was in that line of work. How did you uh, How did you end up working in this kind of gig? How come you're not out, uh, you know, like being a, an engineer, being building oil rigs or something like that? It's uh, it's one of those born and bred things in New Orleans. My family uh, uh, was uh, the owners of Bart's out at West End. Oh. Uh, so grew up uh, in the industry, in the restaurants. You know, I wanted to go see a movie or get some sneakers. I had to go bust tables or wash dishes, and somehow it stuck. Uh, and from that point on, it just stuck with me all this all the way to now. You yeah. know, mid forties and still still plugging away at you know enjoying what we're doing. Uh, and, and turning things on its head a little bit. I mean, you know, in COVID actually, you know, the, the, this whole pandemic, you know, gave me an opportunity to see, you know, with, even with something like Mahoney's, how we think outside the box. And we went from testing an idea to suddenly blossoming it into this snowball slash alcoholic soft serve ice cream, fun, twisted snow concept that we're doing out of our Mahoney's right now. Then soon to be its own little standalone, just, just, something simple that everybody loves and we're like wait we have a liquor license let's spin this on its head a little and we took snowballs and ice cream and flipped it upside down a little to, to see what we could do to truly mm-hmm. you know how do you make yourself more relevant in a, in a time when everybody's a little timid to go out and about and what, what's yeah. something that they want well everybody wants a snowball everybody loves ice cream everybody likes to get a drink in these times why not put all three together <laughs> <laughs> a snowball yeah. A snowball milkshake with vodka. Yeah, okay. That's, a, that's pretty much. That's all in one. But thing. instead of in, instead of like a hard hard ice cream that a lot of places will do, we we <laughs> took the time and researched, and you actually have a soft serve ice cream with alcohol, like a Buffalo Trace vanilla or a, a Satsuma rum cherry. You know, you're getting that type of ice cream. So you want a stuffed snowball. You're now getting more of like a snow tail, if you want to call it that, to where you know I can give you a. A hurricane snowball. I'll use passion fruit snow, and I'll stuff it with a, a southern comfort rum cherry ice cream. Damn. And now you have a hurricane. Damn. So it's it's fun to twist it on its head, and that's the way we kind of came up with. We were doing it for fun in the French Quarter, and uh, we said let's just take it and really balloon it up. Dude, I'm I'm like I've just gotten po' boys to go from you guys, man. I guess I should stay inside <laughs> there a little bit more next time. Yeah, we just we just uh, over the last few weeks we've just finished uh, making it live. So, all right, tell me now. I'm I'm out of time. I'm out of time with this uh, with this episode. Um, I got a couple of more minutes. So Mahoney's is is uh, the one and a quarter is is temporarily closed. Where is it? And once what do you when do you think you're gonna be able to open? So the French Quarter one is at the corner of Iberville and Dauphine with us and Dini's uh, Seafood, another mainstay in the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, we're on the the, the, the other side of, of Bourbon Street, so not the riverside. Um, and, you know, by being there, you're surrounded by these larger hotels. So the unfortunate consequence of that is when you have two and three and four hundred room, you know, hotels at the same time that have, five percent one percent occupancy you're kind of you're kind of lost so you know our goal right now is is we we, we've been putting a lot of our eggs into our snowball and our mahoney's in the front in the magazine street um and we're keeping our french quarter closed uh till as of right now at least november um we're hoping by then is when we see the 
the phase three maybe kick in stronger and and we see more of a relevant uh, travel in the city. But if you're going to open up the doors just to to feed 20 people a day, yeah, you know I, I'm able to triple that at my my Magazine Street location without having to, to put all the excess spends into it I got just to try and you know. So yeah, the French Quarter, yeah, you're going to have some restaurants that are open and some that just are going to hold off for a while. You can't open a window and hand sandwiches and those cool uh, snowball drunk drinks out the window, or they put in a quiet. Well, you could, but you need you need the you need the foot traffic of people to do it. Yeah, that's true. And that's that's where you're at right now. You know, like I, I mean, Jazz Fest was great for us in the French Quarter because we had the pop ups where we had crawfish Monica, crawfish bread, and all that at our restaurant, and we had you know five, four, 300 cars a day driving through our French Quarter restaurant for those two weekends. Yeah. And we were doing snowballs and everything. That's where Twisted Snow really kind of kicked off for us even more so. But that was great. But, okay, that was for a specific, you know, festing in place and jazz fest and all that. And then after that, it's like, okay, where did everybody go? Well, everybody's back home, staying mm-hmm. at home, got their mask on, can't go outside. And nobody's really driving to the quarter to get their food when they can go right around the corner to their other little local place. I got you. All right, one more question, then I got a boogie. All right, so after Katrina, so I know uh, uh, Tommy Satanovich and several other people helped uh, uh, helped open Dookie Chase. They helped uh, Miss Lee. Yes, indeed. And uh, and a lot of and a lot and helped a lot of the restaurant association helped a lot of people. We got so many of them. Uh, again, Ian Ian McNulty saying fifty percent of the restaurants are going to close. Um, what what are the most the successful people like you guys? Are you guys capable? of helping somebody reopen their spot or because, you know, some people got hammered worse than others in Katrina. And I think that's one of the reasons why they're able to do it. Like Tommy's place out right. there in Metairie didn't get touched really with floodwaters or nothing. But uh, I mean, is it, is it upon, incumbent upon the restaurant community that you're a part of to take care of the rest of the restaurant community? Or is it going to be like kind of every man for himself because this is a different catastrophe? No, I, I think it's still a community, regardless of how strained uh, political or events surrounding us try and make all the threads. At the end of the day, you can literally use what happened a, a couple of weeks, you know, a week or so ago, a couple of weeks ago, with you know the Lake Charles area and Hurricane Laura. I mean, you have restaurants that are barely making it right now, but yet somehow all these restaurants found a way, you know, us included, and to immediately start making food and donating food and bringing 10,000 meals a day to Lake Charles. Um, so it's, it's amazing that even though you could be on the, the precipice of like, all right, are we keeping our doors open? Are we closing them? Somehow your last few pennies, you're willing to, to do what it takes to help somebody else in those moments. I think the restaurant community as a whole still is strong and i think you're going to see you know just like we do you know with our loaves of love program or anything like that you see these restaurants outreach very quickly to to each other to where hey look i might have the ability with chef's brigade to do 500 deliveries you know but instead i'm only going to do 200 because i know this other restaurant over here who's struggling i'm going to make sure they have the other 300 or something like that so Mm -hmm. you're seeing a lot of that in the undercurrent um, to where people are, are finding ways to at least try and earn secondary revenue streams, minus it being the traditional just busting your seat um, or, or a sandwich in hand on it to go. So uh, Katrina was a great example of it. I think everything that everybody's been through from a restaurant standpoint over the last few months, for sure, 
Uh, but Laura, what you saw it right then and there, the, the, nobody blinked. You know, your, your Louisiana Restaurant Association, the hospitality, Louisiana Hospitality Foundation, these two organizations, I, I don't even think, stopped to even think about what they were doing and immediately had food where it was needed yeah. um, and relief and stuff like that. So and, and good food. In, until mean, the moment where they, they wash us away completely, I think the restaurants are always going to still be uh, a, a tight current that you need in the city. I'm with you on that one. Casey Levy, who was with uh, Mahoney's Po' Boy, JMH Hospitality Companies, and uh, yeah. uh, 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 the food and the culture is the backbone of this entire area. And you guys are an extra, you guys are like an extra little bone down there, you know. One, one. Yeah, we keep, we, keep, we keep plugging away. We're like that little, that little fish bone you can't get rid of. We want to make sure you know we're there. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time with me, man. Take care. All right, Spud. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. You know, when... When I got to go see the doctor, I mean, the first place I go when anyone in my family needs to go is rapid urgent care. I mean, you're in and out of there in 40 minutes, give or take. I mean, you're going to spend that much time in an ER just waiting to get triage. A broken ankle, a bee sting, COVID tests, rapid urgent care has got you covered. They got clinics all over southeast Louisiana. You don't need an appointment. You just walk right in with the ID and your insurance card. Uh, You ain't got insurance? You can sign up for their health care partnership. Rapid Urgent Care also has a telemed center just waiting for your call. So go to rapidurgentcare.com to find out more and to find the clinic nearest you. Rapid Urgent Care, that's where I go, babe. All right, before we leave you today, it's time for your dumbass of the day. And our dumbass today comes to us from Golden Meadow, Louisiana, where a young man got busted at his house because he had lots of drugs and different kinds of drugs, and they're all bricked up, and they're ready to go out for sale. And the cops went, oh, no, you didn't. So they're going through his house and confiscating all the drugs and the guns. They bring him back to the jail, and kind of one of the things they do regularly is a strip search, and it's a good thing they did because they found an extra little twenty-five caliber pistol that the boy had hid up all in his butox. So that's one of the reasons why I've never joined the sheriff's office, because frankly, I just don't need to go there. All right, so thanks for joining us on the Spudcast. When we come back on Wednesday, we'll talk to Carl Arredondo, the former WWL TV chief meteorologist, uh, what he's doing now, and the things that, uh, the questions that we all have about Sally and predicting storms and all the rest of that stuff, and where he gets the stuff to go, you know? Anyway, thanks everybody for joining us today. Thank you for our... uh, for our sponsors, Chaps Chicken and Rapid Urgent Care, uh, look for me. I'm on Spotify. I'm on uh, This Is Going On, Spuds Friends and Fans. I'm on iHeart. I'm on uh, Google. I'm on Pandora. I'm on Public Radio. And I'm on your mind, and you know you love it. This is the Spud Show, baby. Y'all uh, watch out for the crazies. I got to go. I'll see you next time, but I'm a gone pecan. <laughs>